Now, before I read the text, I want to begin by asking a question. If the Lord wanting, wanted to do something new in your life, if he wanted to open up a, a new space in your life to be able to, to know more and understand more and maybe go a place with him, if, if he wanted to open up new passion to be able to seek him and be blessed, what would it look like for you to be open to that new thing that God would want for you? And, and maybe the, the converse question is, is important too. What would hinder you from that kind of openness this morning? As we move into Isaiah 43, it's on the heels of Isaiah 42, and there's just pain everywhere. Because the nation of Israel, the nation of Judah more precisely, turned their backs on God. They did not trust in his grace and goodness anymore. They kind of scrambled to find other gods to, to turn the, 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 the knobs that would give them what they wanted in their life. They got further and further away from the Lord. The Lord sent prophets lovingly calling them back into his arms. They refused Now they are in Babylon. Now they are in captivity with horrible, painful memories of a destroyed capital city. As the Babylonians just raised the temple to the ground, fire and smoke and rubble everywhere, fresh graves by the hundreds and hundreds everywhere, grief. And for those in Babylon, an almost 1,100-mile trail of tears of being taken out of their native country to this foreign place. And they're sitting there and they're they're remembering and there is such pain in Babylon. They're kind of stuck. Where do we go from here? And there's this wonderful declaration by God right here in the middle of Isaiah 43 to people who are stuck, that he wants to do a new thing in their lives, that he wants them to move past this past. And I think what God is saying to us today is very important, particularly if you're one of those people that's kind of stuck right now. So let me read the text, and I read it from the New International Version 84 version because of The wording, as you will see in a moment, that is important. Isaiah 43, verses 18 through 21. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people that I have formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. And if we were to ask the question, what would help us move forward into something new that God might have for us? I think the, the answer might be helped if we, if we framed it in terms of two words 
that come from this text. Forget and focus. Forget and focus. The first word is forget. Now, what would it take for you to forget some things, to be able to move on to some new things? I mean, what would it have taken for these people with multiplied deaths in their families now in Babylon with with all the uproot and all the chaos and all the regret? What would it take for them to be able to get beyond this. Verse 18, God tells them and he tells us, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. I don't know about you, but forgetting doesn't come easy for me. Because things hurt. Sometimes they hurt really badly. And... um Sometimes we're tied down by these things that we, we just can't get past and, and these hurtful things that just have a way of not going away. And, and you know, sometimes the, the hurt and the things that we dwell on that just kind of get us stuck, sometimes they distract us from our lives. Worse than that, sometimes they come to define us. And, and we should never allow hurt to define us. We should never allow a hurtful past to lead us into God's future because that's not what God wants for you and it's not what God wanted for his people, even his people in Babylon. I mean, I don't know. know, I don't know if somebody did you wrong a long time ago or last week. I don't know if you struggled with your parents. I don't know that some relationship didn't blow up, some ministry didn't work out. Some business went sour. Somebody cheated you. A partner didn't turn out to be trustworthy. Some dream was threatened and then vaporized. Friendship ended. Trust was broken. I don't know. Just to name a few. But I'll tell you, whatever it is, your struggle is is here. It's right there in front of you. You know what it is. And it just wants to... It just wants to take its tentacles and wrap it around your heart and just squeeze the life out of your life and not be able to move forward, to get stuck in the past. And it's hard to forget. I remember when I was in the third grade, my father volunteered to go to Vietnam. And so he left for Vietnam. He was an F-series reconnaissance pilot. And while he was over there, we moved to Mariana, Florida, where my grandparents live. I, I think a lot of people probably did that during that war. Um, and grandparents, whether they were in town or whether you moved to their hometown, kind of helped out raising the children. Well, I, I was very blessed to, to have my grandfather. My other grandfather had died, but Papa Jack, my mother's father, was a character. And the two years that we spent in Mariana, I won't forget them for lots of reasons, but, but I have a very painful memory from those years, and it has to do with my grandfather's love of baseball. You know, that generation, man, they love baseball. And so when baseball season came out, of course, it was not an option whether I was going to play or not. And he wanted to come to my game, so he took me to Dixie League baseball tryouts one night, and the, the stadium lights were on just above Pee Wee League. I love tryouts. Man, there were these nice men who were so encouraging. And, you know, they'd say, 
go out in the outfield and they just kind of pop up a, a pop up and you catch it and you throw it. They say, oh, that's good. They're trying to place you on a team. Come, come bat at the plate and you get to the plate and they just kind of throw these easy balls and just boom. Oh, that's good. And man, I felt great about my ability to play baseball. I was placed on the Kiwanis Club baseball team. I'll never forget it. We had brand spanking new, blindingly white uniforms with green and gold in cursive Kiwanis written across the the front. I stand in the mirror and look at myself in this uniform. Well, I'm going to tell you, once you got out on the field, it wasn't the same as those nice people, those nice men in in tryouts. And, uh, And I will never forget... Uh, the first time I ever went to bat in a game in Dixie League baseball, uh, it wasn't a nice man that was pitching. My grandfather, by the way, had to make a decision about me, whether I was going to be the oldest person in the younger league or the youngest person in the older league. And because I was his grandson and therefore very talented, of course he stuck me with the older people. And the oldest, most powerful people were the pitchers because those people were twice my size and they could throw the ball the hardest. And there I was at bat. I mean, this guy wound up and his arms were all over the place and he threw his leg up and threw that ball. It was like a flaming meteor coming at me. And it hit me right in the small of the back. And oh, did it sting. So I kind of just, you know, took the pain Took my base. Hey, great, 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 great. So, you know, tried to shake it off. Got up to bat the very next time. Same thing. Here comes 100 miles an hour. At least it felt like it. Hit me in the exact same spot in my back. And between me and you, I I couldn't get it out of my head. Do you know, I'm... Probably still good at catching baseballs, but I just never was good at hitting baseballs. I I guess I'm a glutton for punishment. I played through senior year in high school, played first base. But um, it was hard for me because I was frozen at that play. You know, my baseball career, which I'm sure would have been illustrious, (laughs) was ruined by the memory of wild pitches. And how much they hurt. You know, life's kind of like Dixie League baseball. We get hit with some wild pitches in life. And oh, do they hurt. And we remember the pain. And sometimes that pain just causes us to freeze. It it paralyzes us and... And then we dwell on the hurts of the past and, and sometimes it, it, be, it begins to, to ruin things for our lives. It, it begins to dominate, maybe define us and definitely becoming obstacles in our lives to moving ahead. And God is saying to you this morning who've been hit with wild pitches in your life, who've been hurt deeply, who have been hurt sharply, and you still feel the pain and you, you just somehow can't get past it. He's telling you, forget. That's what he's saying to you this morning. I love a song by Bob Bennett. I've loved it for many years. I love Bob Bennett. You might want to Google him if you want to listen to some of his music. But this song is called Lord of the Past. And I want to read some of the lyrics that have meant a lot to me over the years. 
Every harsh word spoken, every promise ever broken to me, total recall of data in my memory, every tear that has washed my face, every moment of disgrace that I have known, every time I've ever felt alone, all the chances I let slip by, all the dreams that I let die in vain, afraid of failure and afraid of pain. Lord of the here and now, Lord of the come what may, I want to believe somehow you can heal these wounds of yesterday. And so now I'm asking you, do what you want to do. Be the Lord of my past. You can do anything. Be the Lord of my past. I know that you can find a way to heal every yesterday. Be the Lord of my past. Can you identify with that song? I can. Forget. The second word is focus. The Lord is saying, look, see is the actual word in the text. I'm doing a new thing. You got to forget the former things. I'm doing a new thing. Focus on what I'm doing now. Verse 19. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it is springing up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Now. Before we get to talk more about this focus, I need to go back really quick, quickly and, and talk a little bit more about forgetting because I didn't really tell you how to forget, did I? I just said forget. Well, I want you to know this scripture teaches us how to forget in a way that actually allows us to move forward. You see, forgetting scripturally is not the way we see it. We see it as kind of erasing the memory banks, like something we won't even remember anymore. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you erase your memory banks so you don't, you don't ever have these things in your mind ever again. That, that's not what it's about. Isn't it interesting that the same God who says, forget, forget, also is the God who says, remember, remember all the time. You know, when the children of Israel came into the promised land, they stacked those stones on the other side of the Jordan. Why? So you can remember and, and tell everybody all that God delivered you to. You remember the Passover? And even to this day, the Passover is celebrated by Jewish people every year. It's about remembering. And all these feasts are about remembering. But here, the same God who says remember tells us to forget. And it's not like he's just telling us to erase things. Let me, let me explain to you this, this forgetting it is best captured by the sentence in verse 18, forget the former things. Here it is. You ready? Do not dwell on the past. Do not dwell on the past. You see, this isn't just trying to block out of our minds what happened. It boils down to this. What are you going to choose to put your primary focus on in your life? What are you going to dwell on in your life? That's the focus that's going to help us move beyond the past to now to the future. Now, we Presbyterians, we love the past, and we love the past in wonderful ways. But 
But do you know what is every bit as powerful as the past and, and from a certain angle more powerful, certainly more poignant than the past? you know what it is? It's now. And let me tell you why now is really worth focusing on because God, the living God, is moving now. The God who lives, the God who reigns is moving now. And when God is moving now, this is very much something we need to focus on, but we're stuck back here and God's trying to do something now. It's the gospel. It's the daily promises of newness that God's grace brings to us now. God's goodness is so great that His mercies are new every morning. We're going to sing that in a minute with great is thy faithfulness. There's a nowness about God's grace that we just don't need to miss. And what this is saying is that when we put our focus on what God is doing now because of who God is, is our Savior, God gives us a kind of gracious amnesia and an ability to truly focus on now rather than then. I was in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, eight years ago at a conference. And... One of the days was kind of a free day. So you got to choose like a, kind of like an excursion. I don't know what they called it, but like an excursion. And I wanted to do the, the, um, the rain, the canopy walk in the rainforest. And so I signed up for that one. They put us all on the, the bus to go out to this, this beautiful rainforest. And the people with me were just the, the people that signed up. And so we, we drove on a bus way outside of of Kuala Lumpur and got to this amazing rainforest. You ever been in one of those rainforests? You know, somebody from Mississippi, these, these tropical plants, you know, that have these really wide leaves and this luscious kind of green that we don't really see around here. I was just transfixed by the beauty of the rainforest, these enormous trees. I still don't know what kind they are. The canopy, so thick and, and dense. And there were zip lines all through this canopy. I mean, this is, this is fun stuff. But we had to do a lot of walking um, to get to where you, you did the, the canopy walking. And while we were walk, walking along the way, you know, just like people do, we'd end up in groups of four and five and we're walking. And I, I wanted to get to know some of the people I was walking with. And there was, a, there was a lady from the Far East walking and she was married to an American. And uh, so I asked her where she was from and she told me she was from this country in the Far East and and uh, being a history lover, I, I knew a little bit of the history of her country, but, you know, I, I kind of went from a history lover to uh, the ugly American all in one breath. And, and here's the reason why. Sometimes, sometimes we think we know things, and maybe we don't know things as well as people know them on the ground. But, but I asked her a question. I shouldn't have asked it. I, I wish I hadn't asked it now. I asked her, I said, well, you know, this regime came in in the, the, this period of time and it replaced this regime. And what, what would have happened if the, the former regime would have, would have continued? Do you think your country would be any better? She said, actually, I, I thought a lot about that. Um, my dad became a political prisoner under the regime that you seem to favor. And it is presumed that it was a hit squad that came out one night and came into our house, killed my brother, my sister, and stabbed me. I almost died. Yeah, I thought a lot about that. Oh, man, ugly American just retracts. 
I wanted to stop breathing. It was a good lesson for me. And I, I hope maybe you could learn that lesson without doing what I just did to somebody. But we're walking along and everybody's silent. My little group of five ain't talking. But I'm just kind of looking at this lady. She's so sweet looking. She's kind of got a joy. I've noticed this about her. And, I, and y- y'all, if you know me, you know me. I had to ask one more question. So I took a deep breath. And I just said, can I ask one more question? Not political. How do you cope? Your brother got killed? Your sister got killed? In one day? How do you cope with this? There's some stuff to dwell on. There's a past event that you might not get past in your life. You know what she said? She said, I didn't cope well for many years. I was very bitter. My life was going horribly over those years. And she, she said, you know, when I was in my early 20s, I heard the gospel. And, and God awakened me to the gospel. And, and she put her trust in Jesus. And she said, you know, it just made all the difference to have God's grace in my life. It, it made all the difference because... Not only was I forgiven of my sin before a holy God, not only did did I, who was the lonely, misunderstood, hurt person, get to come home and have a father who would never abandon me, so to speak. She said, you know, it it took a long time, but but I'll never forget after years, I'll never forget realizing that, that I no longer held it against those people. And I forgave them. She said, it's just been one of the the most amazing things in my life to see the gospel at work. And my life's been totally changed since that time. She's married to a missionary now. Here's a memory for you. One that you need to really think about. In the gospel, our most important memory is the cross. You want to think back? You need to think back to the cross. You need to think back into your life to when you understood that God so loved the world that he sent his son for you and paid the price that you deserve to pay in your place so that your sin could vanish in ultimate and forever forgiveness and you would get nothing but relationship and grace from God for the rest of of your life. Yes, this is our corporate memory, the cross. This is our most important individual memory as believers. I mean, this is when my chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose and what? Went forth ahead and followed thee. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me. Now the cross is the basis of the way that God has made in the desert, in your desert. The cross is the basis of the streams of eternal life and grace that God has carved out in the wasteland, in your wasteland. And because of the cross, all God's promises, all of them for your life now and for your life in the future are yes 
There's no maybes with God's grace. There's no maybes with God's promises. Because of Jesus, they are all yes and truly. And amen. Grace now. Forgiveness now. Repentance and faith now. Fresh, new, now. We forget through focus on who God is, what he has done for us, what he is doing now, and what he has promised to be and do in the future. In fact, this scripture is basically telling people like you and me who get stuck that we are to be so focused on God's grace, it's as if we have forgotten the former things, Get the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, focus with your, see, I'm doing a new thing. It's springing up now. Do you not perceive it? Which begs the question, do you not perceive it? God wants you to see it. If you don't perceive it, why don't you perceive it? God wants to awaken us to what he wants to do now. And this is not just true of people. This is true of the bride of Christ. This is true of local churches. And how do we know that? Because the book of Isaiah wasn't written primarily just to an individual. It was written to a a corporate sense of God's newness. It was written to the kingdom of Judah, a part of that ancient nation of Israel. Yet God wants us, this group of people, as a church to appreciate our past But I want to tell you, he is saying today to Highlands Presbyterian Church, verse 19, you better look because I want to do, I am doing a new thing. It is springing up now. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. I am moving right now. You know, no matter where you are in your life, no matter what you've done Yeah, I said that. No matter what you've done, no matter what people have done to you, right now, God wants you to see who he is. God wants you to see his grace. God wants to open your eyes to see your heart and your mind to the new thing that he is doing. Remember the um, the little thing, little red box? Still have them. I know they, they had them years ago called the Etch-A-Sketch. Remember those? Infernal little things. Diabolically designed little things. I can't stand them. You know why I can't stand them? Because you, you draw with the knobs, right? And they don't, you can't draw diagonally. The knobs you draw, they go up and they go down. And for somebody that's not an engineer or an architect or even that bright like myself, what I ended up with was really ugly pictures on my Etch-A-Sketch that took a long time to produce. I finally just gave it up. But you know the great thing about an Etch-A-Sketch, right? The Etch-A-Sketch has a redeeming feature. Just at the height of your frustration, just when you're stuck with this really ugly picture, you get to shake it. 
And when you shake it, it all goes away. All the ugliness goes away. And you get to start new. Life is like this. There are people who have very ugly pictures in their lives of things that even other people's sins, working the knobs of selfishness and working the knobs of greed and all these things have created these really ugly, really painful pictures in our lives. And you know what we tend to do with those ugly pictures? We tend to hang on to them. We tend to not only hang on to them, we tend to look at them every day. It's like like hanging, like mounting an Etch-A-Sketch on the wall for decoration. You don't, you don't mount, you don't hang Etch-A-Sketches on the wall. They're not built to be hung on the wall. They're built to be shaken. Shake the box. Here's the question. In, in your life, with, with your difficult memories, what if God wanted to shake the box this morning? There are people here who are so defined and identified with their pains and hurts, they wouldn't know what to do without their hurt. They wouldn't know how to live without that oak tree, ugly picture of their hurt right in the middle of their lives. You don't have to live that way. This is good news. What if God wanted to shake the box? Are you up for that? Do you even want to perceive a new thing that God would spring up in your life. Isaiah 43 is telling us very clearly that he does want to shake the box. He is moving now, whether you perceive it or not. He loves you now, whether you know that deep in your heart or not. It does not change the fact of who he is in his eternal character, who he is in his everlasting unconditional love and his grace that is about his work on the cross rather than your works. He's moving. God is saying, I'm making a way in the desert right now. I'm making streams in the wasteland. I'm talking about your desert, your wasteland. For those willing to focus, on who God is and what he's done. Welcome to the new thing that God wants to do in your life. Welcome to the new awareness of who he really is and he's better than you ever dared believe that he is. Finally, I love the reason given in this passage that God's doing the new thing. Let me just read it to you. I'll read, I'll read all three verses, starting with verse 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I have formed for myself. Here it is, that they 
may proclaim my praise. So why? Definitely so you can have this God of love and grace. Definitely so through focus on who he is, what he's done, you can actually turn the page. And definitely that we might not only live in the beauty of God's grace and holiness in his mercies that are new, but that we might proclaim his praises to other people and they might be pointed to this very same grace. You know they're stuck too. And if they've not put their trust in what Jesus has done for them, they're even more stuck than we sometimes can realize. Maybe some of you came to Christ this year and it's not very hard for you. You said, "I, I finally got it. I finally saw that it wasn't what I do. It's what God did for me on the cross. I I finally received the the full payment for my sin. I finally became his in a way that can't be revoked because he did it. And I finally experienced his forgiveness and love. Maybe maybe that's really fresh for you. And I've talked to some of you and it is very fresh for you. Maybe that's been a long time ago. Well, I tell you, you need to remember that because maybe you need to remember what it was like without Christ and without God in the world. And when, when I'm talking stuck, I mean stuck. And all the positive thinking in the world can't turn the page like God's grace guarantees with daily focus to turn that page so that they can have him too. So let me just add a third thing. Forget, focus, proclaim his praises let's pray lord i'm just overwhelmed by what you're saying here but you're not just saying it you're offering it but you're not just offering it you've already done it you've already secured it you've already made the way in the the desert you've already made the stream of living water in the wasteland If you've never put your trust in what Christ has done, you're still negotiating how to live before the holy God of the universe on your own. And you get it. And you'd like to just give up that, that effort that's failed you so far. Just turn, turn, just pray with me. Lord, I see it. I didn't realize you've done that for me. I didn't realize what grace was until now. And I want to turn from everything that I've called Christianity, everything that I've called religion, and I want to put my trust, Jesus, in what you have done on the cross. Thank you that even now you've forgiven me. Thank you that even now I live with you in, in an everlasting present tense of grace and a future tense of promises. Lord, there are many of us who've walked with you for quite some time and the question, do you not perceive it, is kind of a stinging question to us because we don't. Because we are stuck and you see us in our frailty, you see us in our weakness. Would you come to us in our weakness? Would you even come to us in our self-pity? Would you come to us in our anger and even low-grade well-maintained rage 
And would you show us yet again the gospel? Your grace. Lord, would you give us focus on who you are and the fact that you, your mercies are new this very morning and you want to do a new thing. Would you allow us, through focus on your grace, to let go one finger at a time, if necessary, the hurts that hold us back? And then, Lord, would you cause us to have a heart liberated for praise, even as we struggle as sinners? And, Lord, as you give us freedom from our past, would you open up that same freedom for others? We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.